Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Niger again. Our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. As always, a heartfelt thank you to all of our followers here in the United States and globally. It is a pleasure to do this on a weekly basis, and I appreciate the um, all the, the, the comments and people who've reached out, and I, I try my best to get a hold of everybody. And I will give you, there's Julie with the water, I will give you... Um, my contact information at the end of this episode. And I kind of like doing uh, the one last week where we kind of did a Q&A. So um, feel free to, you know, we, uh, it was kind of fun doing that, just answering individual uh, questions, um, you know, directly related to, you know, real-life case examples. So I am I am open to that and, and definitely welcome those suggestions and just... I think in terms of what people um, like the most from the podcast in terms of popularity with topics, I definitely think are the personality disorders, um, borderline being number one, and uh, one that I'm uh, interested in, as, as you know, I've done most, probably the most episodes on borderline and various aspects of it, and we will continue to revisit that uh, because I do, as I've said, I believe it is extremely more prevalent and more prominent than what the prevalence rates in the current diagnostic manual would, would state. And a lot of that, uh, I don't remember which episode I talked about this, you know, my perspective in terms of just um, how, you know, economics and just societal changes can really dictate, um, you know, the etiology of many different psychiatric conditions. Uh, so today, I wanted to talk about the different class of disorders that I've, I think I've alluded to, but really, uh, I don't think I've devoted a specific episode to it. Um, these are the uh, disruptive impulse control and conduct disorders. And I'm going to focus primarily today on one that is intermittent explosive disorder. Now, uh, anger, you know, if we step back for a second, yeah, maybe more of an existential question. Is anger bad? Uh, I don't think so. I think anger is sometimes confused with aggression. And most of us are not very good at being angry. Sometimes we uh, minimize and sometimes we go over the top. Uh, but anger could definitely be seen as part of our our physiology in terms of protecting ourselves from any from a more evolved level um, a perceived psychological slight or threat to the sense of self. But I think when it crosses over into something that's pathological, like intermittent explosive disorder, uh, that's where you know it's it, it's it's really unrestrained um, unrestrained intense emotionality so uh, with with intermittent explosive disorder it's, it's generally not diagnosed prior uh, to age six or, or developmental level and generally doesn't get diagnosed around past 40 so this is something that starts early on in, in, in childhood uh, early adolescence and there's a lot of um, much more of a behavioral and learning component. Uh, although, you know, we are chemical beings and, and neurotransmission is part of 
how we operate. And um, let me talk, and you know, the notes I've made, I want to make sure I, I cover everything because uh, I said, you know, as we've grown and our audience is so diverse and a lot of people use the podcast uh, to enhance their education or if they're practitioners to guide their practice or enhance their practice. So I try when I talk about the specific disorders to, you know, they have a more prepared approach versus what I'll talk about more, you know, general topics. So, you know, the, the, the impulsive or really anger based uh, outbursts that are part of, um, intermittent explosive disorder, some people refer to just as IED, um, they, they really have a rapid onset and with, with there's really no prodromal period. And in a lot of other disorders, um, you know, for example, schizophrenia, there's a prodromal period, uh, which in depression and in bipolarity, there are prodromal periods even in some of the neurodegenerative disorders, and by prodromal, I mean that this is think of this is this is kind of the waiting room, and the chairs are you know you walk into the waiting room and there's one person sitting and eventually two people and three people, and then there's ten and eleven. So that prodromal phase is really where the beginning of the disorder is is starting, and, and full symptom manifestation and experience is not. Um, may not necessarily be apparent um, and may not necessarily be completely observable by other people or, or an individual themselves. Um, and these outbursts, they generally last like around, I'd say, 30, 40 minutes. And they really, they, they occur, they occur in response to minor provocation um, by usually by somebody like a close, intimate uh, individual or family member or coworker. Um, so, you know, if you step back and say, well, that doesn't that sound kind of like borderline? Yes, but it's not. Uh, borderline is a separate disorder in and of itself, and that is under the personality disorders, not under this specific uh, category of, of, of disorders. So, you know, there's 30 to 45 minutes of complete, you know, minor provocation that, you know, that with that is completely disproportionate to whatever perceived slight. Um, these can be temper tantrums, tirades, verbal arguments, fights, uh, physical, physical aggression towards uh, property like breaking a curio cabinet, throwing over a desk, uh, kicking a dog or, or a pet, or fighting with an individual. And, you know, it, it, it's not a, a one and done. This this is, becomes an, almost an ingrained behavior pattern that, that is very uh, episodic. And again, hence the term intermittent explosive disorder. So uh, being explosive, yes, that's problematic. Um, intermittent, sometimes you know, through through the therapeutic process, uh, cognitive therapy, I think it's 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 it, in my experience, you're able to really identify. I, I hate the word, but I use it because it's just part of our clinical vernacular. You know, triggers. You're usually able in working with individuals to kind of uh, this is different than, like, than septal rage, where this there's pure organicity and a person could become incredibly violent, but that is due to something uh, completely neurological and organic. Versus this, where you know you're, you'll generally find a theme of, of of what sets this person off. So, uh, individuals with 
intermittent explosive disorder generally have they have they have less severe episodes of verbal and and non damaging or non destructive physical um, altercations, um, but you know it's you know like I said the temper tantrums the fights the breaking I mean they they, can, they do leave a path of destruction, and you can certainly see how this would impair. Um, friendships, uh, relationships, um, maybe getting, you know, work evaluations, uh, academic performance. Um, so the, you know, the core feature is really a failure and an inability to control impulses and impulses that are really geared to have a um, I talked, you know, I don't know if it was last week, week before about externalizing disorders and or internalizing. These are these are externalizing disorders. It means the person is projecting their negative behaviors and cognitions and emotions onto the outside world, whether it's animate or inanimate. Versus the internalizing disorders, where the person would project those those same pains uh, onto themselves through uh, self uh, depreciating thoughts, uh, self injury, suicidal thoughts. So this is definitely in the realm of um, of definitely something that would be ex- external. Um, but you know the psycho the psychosocial stressors uh, are really what kind of tip the individual into acting in this way. And, you know, the damage and destruction uh, and, and, and physical assault, and, and again, this is not a one and done where somebody, you know, breaks in and, and you, you suddenly turn and, you know, your, your autonomic nervous system flips on and you go into fight or flight mode and, you, and you're, you're, you know, trying to protect yourself and your family. You may act in a more animalistic way. And that, that is part of our hardwiring. Um, and, you know, at our basic level, we are animals, and I think it's important to you know remind us, uh, remind ourselves of that. And society and growth and evolution uh, can only do so much to temper that. But that is that that rests within each and every one of us. Um, but um, you know, uh, mood disorders uh, usually like unipolar, uh, meaning more like just major depressive disorder, anxiety, and substance use disorders are very commonly. Associated. Rarely can I think of a case where I've just diagnosed intermittent explosive disorder in isolation uh, without an accompanying mood component or anxiety or substance abuse component. And, you know, the onset, um, like I said, is very insidious that without that prodromal phase, it's like, so I, I, I would, I would, you know, professionally hypothesize that there is probably a physiological component to this. Um, there can be a history of trauma and a person is in a heightened state of fight or flight and they are just acting in a way where they are constantly vigilant for any perceived threat. Uh, so it's, it's, again, things aren't always as linear, but again, that's the advantage of getting a full neuropsych eval is to be able to say with more specificity exactly what is the diagnostic picture if it's one more or you know again it's it rarely is it just one uh it's often coexisting with something else um and you know the thing with intermittent explosive disorder it, it, it generally doesn't go away and it can wind up it can wind someone up 
wind someone getting into trouble with divorce, um, you know, Department of, you know, Children and Family Services getting involved, if that, if that aggression is projected onto their child uh, for whatever perceived injury or slight or whatever aggravated the person, uh, it could, you know, obviously affect work performance. And, you know, I think, you know, in my, my opinion, I think, you know, narcissism is probably could be part of it. Um, antisocial tendencies could be there. Borderline could tend to be there, you know, have tendencies to co coexist with this. But again, this is more of a behavioral disorder. And, you know, in children and adolescents, the work of Ross Green, uh, the explosive child, and I, I've referenced him before, and he, you know, I've used his model in, in working with families and in, in developing behavioral modification programs, and they are incredibly effective. It's, it's, it's you know, that's more for like opposite defined disorder because it's a more persistent uh level of behavioral dysregulation same with conduct disorder which is just like the amped up version of, of opposite defiant disorder um but that involves when you're, you're violating societal uh values and even engaging in criminal behavior but those are behavioral disorders uh you know they, they're they, you know People do try to medicate them, but they really respond best to be, be cognitive behavioral therapy, behavioral modification techniques. It's a little harder with intermittent explosive disorder because of the intermittent nature of this specific pathology. You know, you, like I said, with opposition, opposition defiant disorder and conduct disorder, this is just kind of this 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 irritable and, and nasty child or adolescent that is just wreaking havoc in all aspects of their life at home and at school or maybe if they older have a job um and you know I, i've alluded to this before and, and i will do an episode on this but it's coming to my mind it you know it's important in understanding with with disruptive mood dysregulation disorder uh is a new diagnosis that was much needed in the current diagnostic manual because any child or adolescent that had a behavior problem the only diagnosis that we had available to us was, was what possibly intermittent explosive disorder uh but basically we really had opposite defiant disorder or conduct disorder so in disruptive mood dysregulation disorder that in that category that's in the mood disorders and the depressive disorders so the behavioral manifestations of disruptive mood dysregulation disorder uh which cannot be diagnosed past 18 has to be diagnosed prior to age 18 and cannot be diagnosed concurrently with opposite defiant disorder or conduct disorder because it is purely a mood disorder so the outward manifestation or the outward observable behaviors of disruptive mood dysregulation disorder are very similar to that of oppositionality the etiology of which is completely different in opposite defiant disorder the behavior is purposeful and intentional in disruptive mood dysregulation disorder the behavior is coming from depression and I, I've said this before. I don't know why, but I think we should have an, an, another uh, symptom for depression, and it should be anger. Uh, and Freud had talked about depression being anger turned inward. Not that he was right a lot about a lot of things, but I, I definitely think anger is a part of depression, whether you're a child or an adult. We just don't have it in our, you know, as part of our dimensional model of how we construct what constitutes a diagnosis of of depression. Um, so, but individuals with a history of physical and emotional trauma uh, are definitely at an increased risk for intermittent explosive disorder because they are basically learning the world is a hostile and an unpredictable place. And can you also see this is some of the stuff, these early learnings, I'm saying it develops in early 
you know, early emotion, physical and emotional trauma. Very similar stuff I've said about borderline. Very similar stuff I said about the a lot of the personality disorders. Um, so if you're if you're being abused in early childhood, um, you know, or the first two decades of life, you are you are you know it 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 makes sense. I'm not saying it's correct, but it makes sense that you are perceiving the world as a hostile environment. And you, I mean, but again, the the, the punishment doesn't fit the crime because th these are over the top. This is not just simply yelling. This is this is about destruction and damage, and you know, arguments and temper tantrums that that are that are completely disproportionate to whatever perceived slight the person has. And, you know, you can see how this type of behavior would definitely result in somebody, you know, risking consequences, whether they're legal or financial or, um, you know, just work-related. But, uh, you know, first-degree first relatives are... They're at an elevated risk for developing intermittent explosive disorder, and we get this work from twin studies, and twin studies are great um, because they really help us in, in determining, you know, nature versus nurture. Uh, so twin studies is a lot of times you find identical twins who are raised in different environments, and Generally, their longitudinal studies where they're following them and looking at, um, you know, twin A, how they develop and, you know, and because they're being raised by this set of parents, biological or non-biological, and you have twin B who's being raised in a totally different environment, sometimes in completely different states and in completely different countries. So in no two families are the same. There may be commonalities, but twin studies are very, very important in the research and understanding uh, a lot about psychology and a lot of the various psychological conditions in terms of, you know, what's the impact of genetics, what's the impact of the environment, and what is the intersection of the two. And it's not like, it, it you know, People ask uh, when I do their feedback, and I say somebody has major depressive disorder, borderline personality disorder, ADHD, and PTSD. Uh, it's not an uncommon diagnostic uh, picture for someone, but just to take a pie chart and say, well, 40% belongs to borderline, 10% belongs to ADHD, uh, 30%, it, it just, there's no real way to kind of figure that out. Uh, my perspective, as I've said, when, when personality is involved, personality is, I would definitely say, is accounting for the vast majority of the other, you know, of the, uh, the vast majority of the pie. Uh, the other are simply the small slices that I think, you know, like I would say you treat the root system, not the, not the branches, but people come into therapy because of the branches. Uh, but, you know, there, like I said, there definitely is, you know, a physiological component to this um you know there's a lot of uh dysregulation in, in serotonin um specifically the limbic system the anterior cingulate um the orbital prefrontal cortex which is really the seat of all mental health problems the prefrontal orbital cortex is is the seat of of you know versus i've talked about like the the you know the back part of the brain and is more the reptilian part of the brain that controls respiration and and heartbeat and those type balance um and the amygdala is when emotions are involved the amygdala is always involved 
And amygdala dysregulation is definitely part of any type of the emotional uh, dysregulating factors. And um, so people with intermittent explosive disorder definitely have irregularities in their amygdala functioning. And I would think the same is true for most disorders where there is that true emotional function because we can't we can't say the brain isn't involved, even even if things are more just behavioral. Um, but the but the consequences, uh, a lot of individuals with this type uh, with this specific disorder, they have fewer no friends. Because their behavior has either been perpetrated on them or they've acted in a way like, say, maybe at a restaurant and a waitress gave them the wrong order and they flip out and cause a scene and friends are kind of like, dude, I don't want to hang around because this is just embarrassing and, you know, uh Please get involved, you know, um, marital problems, like I said, problems with, with, with children and, you know, children, uh, you know, are, are, you know, they're, they're sponges. Like I said, growing up, they're watching this. So they're seeing parents act this way. Uh, they also, I think, need to see what the consequence of those behaviors are. But um, occupational problems, um, demotions, lot, you know, loss of employment, because if you're, if you're acting this way at, at work, People aren't going to have a lot of patience for this, unless you're a boxer, but um, or you're playing this role in a movie. But but you know, general societal you know standards and expectations is this this stuff isn't going to be tolerated at work. You know, having a bad day is one thing, or maybe having a healthy disagreement with your boss is one thing. But this specific pathology goes over the top. This is the guy throwing the water cooler. This is the woman like you know screaming at the top of her lungs, and and they're dragging her out of the building because she's a menace, you know, to the office place. Um, Financial, uh, the financial stuff is because they've 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 broken all their stuff. They they've crashed their car. They've they've kicked their car. They they've you know they they've broken windows in their house because that anger gets gets so out of control. Um, you know, so then you know it's like oh god, I got to pay for this and pay for that and this. So it's it's uh, um, you know, and and the you know aggressive behavior against property or or individuals often results in in the, in the police getting involved and you know charges for assault, you know, with or without a deadly weapon. Uh, these are these are real consequences of this specific pathology. Um, it's 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 one that I, I definitely do encounter, and it's one that, uh, like I said, rarely do I ever encounter this just in pure isolation. But it is a specific disorder. It is not just simply having anger problems. It is having a, 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 a such a low threshold for being provoked that the behavior is so disproportionate that it is destructive. So. Uh, our special guest is here I'm today. Who has, I don't know where she's been for the podcast for the last, the last I, year. I was just listening to a course presentation of um, intermittent explosive disorder. And I was thinking as he was talking about, you know, the money factor and, you know, uh, I think that, you know, if, if people can't control their temper, whether it's genetic or learned behavior. Is this a learned behavior? It's it yeah, I mean, er, I mean it's er, not early, bipolar. No, it, it like early early negative childhood experiences is shaping the world to it being a, a hostile environment and living on I mean it could certainly it's definitely learned, but I think there are neurological Is it learned by watching playing violent Ab- video yes, games? Yes, absolutely. If, if that be, if that if that doesn't go this is the work of 
uh, Albert Bandura and the Bobo doll and social learning theory. Um, watching, you know, watching people, you know, killing people. And I, I, I think I said this in an episode a long time ago. I had bought Call of Duty, not to play it. I'll play like sport, sport games. Um, but I remember listening on the headset, like it was like, what? Because I want to see what is this world these kids and adolescents and yeah. adults are are living in, and it was it was like R rated hell on earth, you know, and, and and the language, and I wasn't doing very good, so they're swearing and yelling at me, and you know, but it was it, among it, other games, yeah. But I mean, it's it, it's it's definitely uh, social learning theory. Look up the work of Albert Bandura and his classic study of the Bobo doll. Um, and I, I don't need to go into that d- detail. Maybe you should. So basically, the Bobo doll was—it's um, kind of—it was, just, it was like a blow-up doll. And the first set of kids went in, and they—I'm trying my best to remember this. Uh, there were kids uh, that went in to the room with no instruction. And there were another group of kids that were behind glass watching the kids in the room, and they begin initially play. The kids in the first group, I believe, were instructed to hit the Bobo doll. Okay, they were instructed to. They were told hit him. And at the end of that, you know, it was a short period of time, they were each given, I think, an eraser or a pencil, one of the two. When the second group of kids, who were just observing the first group, went into the room, they all immediately attacked the Bobo doll. Given no instruction? Given no instruction because they saw the reward for it. They got a pencil or an eraser. And That's that, a reward. Yeah, that was the reward they got. So that the social learning theory is you don't actually have to have experienced something in order to learn a behavior. So you can experience, you know shooting people and killing people and it used to be thought of years ago you know old research that if you were angry hit a pillow no that's the complete opposite because it found if you hit a pillow you felt better so that you you are reinforcing that behavior so you know parents say well i'm gonna get a punching bag that's the absolute wrong thing to do you're just displacing the anger you're not you're not teaching anybody how to control it or or, or mediate it or, or or decrease it so that research is completely eradicated and should not be followed at all because it only reinforces the behavior because i've been hit the pillow again because it feels good well soon you know what that pillow becomes your spouse and the pillow becomes your coworker. I think this uh, often plays out because it's uh, diagnosed eighteen and younger. Um, what happens is that it Left kind of mood. Well, what about intermittent explosive disorder? That's across the lifespan. It's generally diagnosed in the early first two decades of life, but rarely does it ever diagnose. Well, I think anybody who's dealt with a person um, like this, whether it's a child beating up a sibling, um, that can be a very big problem. Um, you know, acting out toward the parents, the parents don't know what to do. Um, kids in therapy, maybe he's not able to be medicated properly. And then what happens is they, you know, act out at school and then they start to get after a while, they start to get in trouble. And then the fact that they get in trouble reinforces the behavior again. And of course, these kids think that they're bad kids. And so it it just as soon as as soon as they get to a certain age, society takes over. And that's when it's, you know, yeah, you lose your money because you lose your job. You lose your car because you have no job because you can't 
hold a temper, you can't hold a job. Um, or, you know, you, um, you know, we have legal fees because you get in trouble with the legal system. Um, and just to go over the, I mean, I mean, when I say like intermittent, this was, I should have said this before, the specific criteria is at least two of these outbursts on a weekly basis. And also, I think it's very difficult to treat because it's intermittently explosive. So um, some people will be medicated for it, but it, it, honestly, I don't know, I'm not an expert in this part of the field. Um, so I could not really speak to medications other than like mood stabilizers or atypical antipsychotics or medications that can kind of target like clonidine, guanfacine, medications that target agitation um, and like an impulsive uh, bodily reaction to a mood state. Um, I agree with Corey. I think anger should be in uh, a symptom and part of the diagnostic criteria of depression. Um, definitely working with kids over the years and adolescence, anger is predominantly a very uh, strong symptom and I thought very pervasive in the pediatric and adolescent community. Um, you know, these are the kids that wind up in DYS. These are the kids that wind up in foster homes. And, um, and you know, they really need intensive therapy um, and they sometimes have to be in a therapeutic environment, like a, a therapeutic uh, school. Um, that that can sometimes be the only you know kind of solution. Um, and I think a lot of providers you know do their best, but sometimes these kinds of kids become overly sedated with medication. Um, I've seen that too. Um, you know, where do you find the balance, which, what is, what is medicatable? Again, you're talking about something that's intermittent. So it's not like a bipolarity or, you know, where you're on a regiment of medication for a long duration of time. Um, even though bipolarity can show up as agi agitated states of explos explosive and, 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 and the comorbid diagnoses, like I said, you know, depressive disorders, anxiety disorders, but also borderline personality, antisocial personality, PTSD. Uh, ADHD, ADHD, obstacle defiant dis disorders, especially ADHD, the hyperactive type or the combined yeah. type. Um, so this can coexist with other disorders, but in contrast to uh, – Borderline and antisocial, the degree of uh, the level of impulsiveness and explosiveness is actually lower than that in intermittent explosive disorder. You know, we think of, you know, both of the per those two personality disorders having extreme emotional dysregulation. It, intermittent explosive disorder is even higher in terms of explosiveness and, and destruction. So... When you were, I, I did my internship, one of them at Cambridge Hospital, the book that you recommended earlier. The Explosive Child. By? Ross Green. Right. I worked on a unit that was founded by Ross Green and his partner. Um, I don't remember his name, but they wrote The Explosive Child. They, is that the basket, basket mm -hmm. technique one? It's still available online. I recommend it all the time. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that that's an excellent book. Um it was a philosophy that was based um, was the the whole philosophy of this um, inpatient unit for uh, pediatric um, in in at Cambridge Hospital um, for pediatrics and it was called the basket technique and it's very ingenious and it's extremely simple 
Um, I think the hardest part is like when you think about anger. In that book, I remember vividly he was talking about it's it's not kids' fault, obviously. Um, but that even as adults, sometimes when we are faced with a situation that causes us distress or anger, we automatically just go into our file cabinet of coping or whether they're adaptive or maladaptive, and we pull things out and in, in what we know, these are the cards we were dealt. And sometimes people will overreact to a situation because that's what they've learned. Um, sometimes people will start swearing at somebody, you know, it, 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 because that's what they've learned. They, they reach into that, you know, proverbial file cabinet, automatic response to a certain situation. And that's where I think therapy comes in where, you know, you can help someone, you know, change that. And then at the end, I, and then I'll be quiet, but, um, uh, the, the, um, what was it? Uh, Aristotle said, this is Aristotle. Anger is, to be angry is easy, but to be angry at the right person in the right degree, at the right time, in the right way, that is not so easy. And I feel like, I believe in our society, why do we do, we take, we take our day out on the ones we love. And I don't mean, you know, being abusive. I just mean, you know, we all, we all take it out on the ones who love us that we, that we think are not going anywhere, you know, but, um. I, I think everybody needs to work at this unless you're a very peaceful person. Um, but anger is a whole different level. Anger is not just one word. It's not just one feeling. If you really break it down, there are so many other versions of anger, irritability, agitation, uh, frustration. Um, gosh, I mean, it could go on and but on. This but this disorder really crosses over the boundaries because it's destruction. Right. And, a, and you know, physical and verbal aggression. Right. So anyway, that, that was my two cents. Um, please check out our Instagram account. It's still lame. I know. Um, but I really want everyone to help. Um, if you follow, uh, this, um, this one Instagram, this person who gives you every opportunity to click on to your local U.S., your congressman, um, to help with uh, the horses stopping the roundups. Um, it is, what is it? Bear with me. It's called Wild Horse Legacy. Her name is Barbara Sophia. And if you click on her um, bio, it will bring you to um, a page where you can write directly to the president of the United States. You can write to, it will help you. You put your zip code in, it will help you find who your local senators are and Congress people. And, um, it will help you to be heard. I would appreciate that. It doesn't cost any money. Um, but it does take a little bit of time, not much. Um, but I would appreciate if you could just, if you can, um, if you have a moment, just do that. And, um, you can see it all on my Instagram, our Instagram page. It's just a passion of mine. Um, I think horses are very unique and special. Um, I believe in equine therapy. I don't do equine therapy, but I do believe that there is going to be a solution coming down the road. Thank you, um, and uh, I appreciate your patience with me with my with my heart. So, um, 
they're my heart. They're like my heart. I just love them. I, it's just terrible oh. what's happening to these poor things. Anyway, just educate yourself, and I'll keep you posted as well. Thank you so much. And uh, just to cap off on what you said, equine therapy is actually a very effective technique for opposite defiant disorder, conduct disorder, and intermittent explosive disorder, and helping people and develop compassion and 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 a level of empathy. So you can go um, visit them at the sanctuaries. There's sanctuaries all over Facebook and Instagram. Let us know if you want to know the actual thing. <laughs> I'll do my homework. No, really, these horses need help. All right. Well, hopefully this was effective. Uh, if, if you're experiencing this or someone you know is experiencing this, uh, definitely recommend that you get a full neuropsych eval. Um, therapy, medications, as always, cognitive therapy, psychotropic medications has consistently been shown to be the most effective in combination for the treatment of the vast majority of psychiatric conditions in the DSM. So until next time, uh, feel free to reach out to me at Psychology Unplugged. Uh, you can get hold of me through Psychology Today. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at psychology underscore unplugged underscore um, and contact me directly at 617-750-9411, East Coast Standard Time in the United States. And those of you in New Zealand and South Africa and Australia, those parts of the world, we will figure out a way to find some time uh, to coordinate everything. So thank you for your continued support. I will talk to you guys next week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And be well. Bye, guys.